0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robbie the Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III. Do it. With our guest today, Taylor Dessen. What's going on,
1: Taylor? What's going on? I do not have a third or a second or a first, so I kind of feel a little left out on that one.
2: That's true. Well, I mean, you can't be an official host, but you can be a guest anytime.
1: Could I be a sire?
2: Ooh. (laughs) possibly you do have children so you have sired so why (laughs) not go go. (laughs) taylor the sire the court sire yeah i like it this is this is some
0: new branding i i expect it is i think we're just
1: working on my new rebrand on the pod
0: so uh yeah before we jump in can you give a quick intro into who you are and what you do
1: you know, you guys caught me at a career transition, by the way. So (laughs) um, I I am actually leaving the company I've been at for 12 years. I'm very thankful for my time. So I'm a recruiter. So for those of you who do listen in the future, um, if you're like, nope, not listening to this episode, because this is a recruiter and I hate recruiters, please don't go. I promise it'll be good. But I've been doing it for 12 years now at a company called Vaco. We are a billion dollar staffing and consulting company. And Vaco really does it the right way. It just became apparent just with my journey and, and my passion for building community among engineers that it makes sense for me to be at an engineering company and, and to be more ingrained in the, in, in the tech ecosystem. And so I'm moving on and got some interviews and and I'm looking at potentially joining a software consulting company very soon, potentially. So
2: Ooh, Nice. Well, big news, big news. Yeah. Very awesome. So I guess before we dive into all of that process and where hiring is these days, and some of the many reasons we wanted to, to have this chat with you. I think we should just start with the whiskey, though. Yeah. I and mean, that, that's why some people are here. All yeah, right. So that's why today. i am here? <laughs> there you go. I wouldn't invite you otherwise. Today, we're having the Copper Sky Distillery, which I think they're out of Colorado. It is their wheat whiskey, wheated wheat, like that. 100 proof. Wheat thins. Um, yeah. Wheat thins. Wheat thins. Whiskey five years old oh you're going straight for the rocks okay i'm not fooled by the ones you got yeah 100 proof five years old i have batch seven i'm assuming we kind of have the same i don't know okay seven's the magic number the mash bill is 51 percent corn 45 percent wheat and then four percent malted barley so it should have a decent amount of sweetness to it i think
1: Mm, that is good it's like a it's like a summertime whiskey. Like you're kinda of sitting mm. on the porch and it's like ninety degrees outside and you got a tank top on. And you're sweating a little bit in the armpits. I think, I, I think yeah. this is the whiskey.
0: And you're like, you yeah. know what will be refreshing? Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: a brown liquor. Yeah. Yeah. Well
2: You know you know what'll make me forget how damn hot I am? Whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'm That's smelling uh, like s'mores in here. Like a little some creme brulee. Ooh, yeah. I was gonna say brown sugar, and so like toasted sugar or something could yeah, definitely yeah. be on
1: that. So, boys, can can I be honest with y'all and tell you a quick story about my whiskey days?
2: Yeah. Sure. Are your whiskey days over? And this is yeah, the they're tense? they're way over because of okay. jail.
1: Oh, mm. all right, fair enough. Yeah. So basically, a little little storytelling as y'all are doing a little sniffy sniff. Basically, I was in a band. Um, the band is called Cherry Case, not Chevy Chase, not <laughs> Cherry Cake. Those were both on venue doors, but Cherry Case. We moved to Nashville to do music like everyone else, right? And that's why I'm here. That's why I got here. I did the honky-tonks until 3 a.m. I did the touring. I did the studio row. But the last month before you're supposed to leave to Nashville, our lead guitar player moved back from L.A. So we tried to make it. He left us, tried to make it in L.A. As like a pop guitarist, moved back after a year. He never exuded the L.A. vibe. So our first night back, we're so excited. And, and we were leaving the next month for Nashville. So we're like, let's go out. Okay, so we go out to like the one hipster bar in a college town full of Sperry's and pink shorts and seersucker, right? I went to the University of South Carolina, go Gamecocks. Yep, and um, just cocks or just co- actually all of the merch I have just says cocks all over it. <laughs> um, and so basically, I will send you boys hats when when I go back home. And so we went out, got a little crazy. So just to let you know the type of bar, a sticky floor bar, five dollar Long Island iced tea pitchers, five dollars, and one one dollar warm bourbon shots. And so at the time, we were the band that was leaving town to go make it in Nashville, and so everybody was buying us one dollar lukewarm bourbon shots. And so. Your boy at the time, obviously, I partook, and I partook really hard. Our guitar player's girlfriend was making her rounds kissing everybody. And my wife knows this story, so this is pure public information. Uh, She kissed me, don't remember, at that point in the evening. And then they ran out, and the boyfriend got mad at the girlfriend, like typical boyfriends do. And then the cops were called because there was obviously some yelling. And then they pulled up. We're still friends he's actually a data scientist now he was in my face and they took us to jail and after that i swore off bourbon and whiskey but this is really good stuff that you provided so thank you
2: oh wow so and if it, you
1: guys got to cut that out i understand but i just want to no. give you a little backstory we don't know we, we don't, don't cut, cut anything, anything we're no. unedited no here. i love it yeah, yeah that's the
2: whole it. point it's kind of like whatever comes about You got some like notes and whatever obviously the whiskey is kind of predetermined and the rest of it goes where it goes. I think that's kind of part of the fun.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, so so, so that's my little story. Oh, and, and by the way, Robbie, my grandparents lived on Twin Chimneys Drive. Please don't tell me you're on Twin Chimneys Drive.
0: I'm not, no. Okay. Right. That would have <laughs> so been we weird. It's like that, you're yeah. in my
1: grandparents' old lake house. <laughs> yes, that would
2: have been the best, it turns that be out. That like yeah. comes around full circle. So we'll spend a few moments, though, coming back to the whiskey and Please, then maybe talking right. about more whiskey-esque associated yeah. stories. Okay, so yes, this one, uh, we have the tentacle scale. So it's one through eight. Eight tentacles were so clever. Uh, one being, I'd never, never have this again. It's disgusting. Eight being like, this is the best one ever. Give me nothing else. So four being kind of your average thing. And we'll kind of ca- categorize things like, so this is a weeded bourbon. So you think about it in the ways of like your Wellers or Maker's Mark sure. or something of that nature. So typically we'll have some more sweetness to it. For this one, for me, yeah, I, I actually find it pretty tasty, too. And I yeah. also like it. It has a little burn on the way down. It's letting me know it's there without being, like, too in my face or hurting my throat or giving me acid reflux because I'm an old man. Definitely got, like, some of the brown sugary, maple-y mm-hmm. kind of notes in the mi- middle. I actually got some lemon rinds, like, as it sat in my mouth for a, for a yeah. moment so like I'd a little orange
1: a, I, I even got some orange
2: yeah 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 some might say apricot depends but uh every time uh, <laughs> every time no no i just it's throw it joke. in there for robbie yeah. i don't recall the price point on this one because i didn't order it, it just shows up I which sometimes either. will affect my opinions on this i like it though I, I like it a lot i think that it has a lot of flavor and depth doesn't have like a spicy cinnamon bit no, to it, it doesn't no this is not nice. at all this is like quite smooth and easily sippable i'm gonna give it a seven which is surprising because like a lot of the things that i've had out of like smaller distilleries around the it, west it and can be colorado rough. yeah it, it can, can be rain. rough or it can mm-hmm. be just like okay if i learned that this was like a 70 dollar bottle i'd still be like okay with that i'd be like well yeah but it's pretty good it's age stated they're doing these batches yeah it hits all the right notes for me so as a weeded
0: whiskey i would i'd give this a seven for me
1: robbie what about you man
0: yeah, I think for me this is about as good as the like Weller antique whatever that was. The one that was good, yeah. not the one that was bad. Um Yeah, though, it's the 107. Yeah. So it's the Weller antique 107. So it's yeah. 107 proof and And I think this is cheaper than that and I th- I would say it's yeah. about as good, so I'm I think 7 is right in line there. Seven, tenths. Yeah, the irony
2: there is that before the great whiskey rush, like an antique bottle would cost you about 30 bucks. Now they're a hundred or so. But thanks, Buffalo Trace, for ruining that.
1: I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I don't like I said, I don't really drink whiskey. It makes my body recoil. I'm giving this an eight. And it makes me feel better that y'all were a seven because, like, you know, you think it's that good for a guy who just I just poured a little more for whatever it's worth. So like Mm. this is it's really good, so I'm going to give a, it an A. Do me a good. favor.
2: Don't end up in jail tonight. I'm going to feel yeah, bad. I'm
1: going and... I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tweet at you guys. Like, we're I'm actually just... going out with a buddy of mine after this, and I'm going to tweet y'all, <laughs> hey, guys, headed to jail again. We were, I got really stopped whiskey from here. <laughs> Look,
2: looks like we – yeah, I just don't want to learn that like you were on the wagon and then we sent no. you whiskey, and it's <laughs> yeah. just a downward spiral <laughs> just... from here. <laughs> no, yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm having tacos after this, so we'll be good
2: yeah yeah and you'll switch to tequila and it no longer becomes our fault (laughs) it's never (laughs) known about
1: y'all's problem after that yeah
2: oh gosh all righty so we had a couple of hot takes we were going to talk about today as well so we just take a look at uh things people talk about in tech twitter although i think this first discussion goes well beyond that obviously We were all at Render together. You were on a panel with Kelly Vaughn and you guys were just talking about like what is going on with hiring. Full disclosure, I'm on the market. I've been feeling the pain for a while. And I'm like, what the hell is this from like the last time I was actually looking, like before it was, you have a network and you have a couple of referrals and you just kind of decide where you want to go next and work with your friends and do some cool things. And I've been through the ringer, a number of like eight step loops that have like been misses based on very small, like minutia, like industry I'm in or whatever else. Like, so is hiring broken is the big question. And I'm sure we can go all over the place with it, but like, what's up with hiring?
1: I think the, the headline is yes, hiring is broken. I think but I think it's 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 very software development, like y'all always say it depends. It it really depends, right? It depends based off of who you're interviewing with. But the problem is is that it, it needs to be More approachable. I'm not asking for a standardization. Like I was talking to somebody, I think it was this morning on my podcast. I do have one as well. We were like, there should be a way to like standardize, like at least like the first bar of interviews across the tech industry. But the problem is it'll never happen. And so all we can do is have these podcasts and try to help educate even one hiring manager to change the process, right? Like I would tell you, like it's frustrating the fact that you were rejected for a job because of an industry. It's like really at the end of the day, we're solving problems and problem solving is problem solving is problem solving. To me, I would say you missed out that company missed out on a great talent, right? You because they were too concerned about the industry. And so, you know, I'm really big on creating a massive funnel, massive pipeline. One of the talks I'm giving next next month at that conference up in Wisconsin, I'm keynoting. But one of my sub talks I'm giving is, is a manifesto in hiring. And it's essentially a checklist for what companies need to do. And companies think they need to go like, five people in the first round three people in the second round one person in the final round when in actuality you really should probably have like five people going in the final round because of the way interviewing works but the problem is is the hiring managers just they just cut it off way too early and then they're left with not a lot of diversity not a lot of people and then they're back to square one and then they try to force a, a i to say a square hole in a round peg so there you go the whiskey
2: that's are- <laughs> already started yeah, no. I Okay, so I do want to regress back a little bit there yeah, to something sure. you said, too, is yeah. you're not advocating necessarily for standardization, but I do think it's maybe a potential interesting question, right? Because if you compare it to a lot of other industries, like a doctor doesn't go in and perform a surgery to show that <laughs> they know right. how to do right. it, right, to get on at a hospital, right? There's standardization around, like, proving that you have the knowledge and accreditation to that. So- that, that right there, I wonder if there's a way to, like, have accreditation. Well, there is.
1: There is. It's called contract to hire.
2: Yeah. But
1: yeah, the there's that is, too. The problem is, is that, and I understand it, for. There, there's a lot there to unpack, right? People are going to hear this, like, great, typical recruiter, contract to hire. I Listen, I get it. I've heard all of it. I've been in it for 12 years. The reason why I just think contract hire is the best solution for both sides is because realistically, so I'm – I'm in the interview process right now, right? It's very meta and I'm documenting the whole thing, like a recruiter in the interview process, documenting it. And the one thing I'm realizing is that you can't even talk about all the things you want to talk about in an interview process, like in full transparency. And if my future employer hears this, you know, down the road, here we are, I'm close to a potentially a few offers. And I don't know much about what's going on because there hasn't even been the time to even get the second, third, fourth layer of what the company's doing and the goals and all that. And so that's why I think contract to hire works so well is because it allows the company to get a six month, three month overview of how that person works in their environment. But again, the problem is it's benefits and, and what are you going to do if it doesn't work out? I mean, listen, I understand all of it. If there was a way to somehow keep contract to hire and have the benefits, which by the way, I don't know if this is like in every state, I literally just signed up for benefits for my family, not even through the company. I just signed up for benefits through farm bureau. So now I have benefits whether I go with a company or not, and it was really easy for me. So I don't know if it's like that in every city, but I would, I would employ people to look into that because it was really easy for me to get. And it's better benefits than what I have right now. So, again, I think contract to hire is the answer to your question, but there's a lot to unpack there and how to standardize it too, for sure. I
2: don't, yeah, I, I think I agree with that in the sense of it's basically fairly impossible – to replicate the job in an interview process, you know, right? The closest you can never even close. Yeah, I'd say the closest you can get is pair programming exercises. I'd advocate for you're gonna work with this person and this is the work you're gonna do. The downside is is there's really kind of no onboarding into familiarity and people are nervous. And so it's just like, obviously isn't a one-to-one but it's almost as close as you can get from like a technical skills and thought process thing. But it is, regardless, it's still highly subjective. If I am interviewing someone and I'm paraprogramming with them, it is whatever my interpretation of that is, is completely subjective to my viewpoint and my experiences prior to that. So again, that I might be rejecting a candidate or be rejected as a candidate based on very subjective circumstances. That puts you closer to the quick to hire, quick
0: to fire if it doesn't work out kind of thing. And that's both sides of the equation.
1: 100%.
0: I think most of the interview process is stupid. If there's a leadership question, it's like, tell me about a time you did a thing. Like, just -hmm. because I answer it that way doesn't mean I can or cannot do the job any better than anyone else. So, like, to me, the best thing to do for technical jobs is, like, if you can show a lot of stuff you've done, examples of that and, like, stuff on GitHub or whatever. And then, like, for me, if I were interviewing, I'd just be like, prove that you're you. If I can see online yeah. all that you've done and you just go, hey, it's me, I go, cool, let's work together. <laughs> like,
1: well, and that's what I want to give a shout out to B Dougie, Brian Douglas with open Sauced. He was on one of my podcasts. I have two, because a man can have too many podcasts. But basically, like what he's trying to do with like GitHub, trying to build a public portfolio, really try to give a full picture of like what the candidate can do versus what's on the resume. Like that's the type of stuff where I think companies are gonna have to start looking more ahead. And doing things like that, be more creative. And again, it's about meeting people where they're at. That's what I've learned, right? Diversity, hiring, inclusion. I just got off a call about it. So that's why it's kind of fresh in my brain about that. You got to meet people where they're at. And and the problem is it's backwards. It's like, you got to meet us where we're at. And it's like, no, (laughs) Mm -hmm. no. Like let's meet in the middle at least. And and until that's fixed across the board, I think it's going to consistently be uphill battle.
2: Yeah, I think there's a, uh, perhaps there'll be some kind of massive reset in it. I mean, so it, it's interesting because it has felt like for so long the advantage was on the side of engineers, right? And it was sort of that. And now it feels like it's been a quick pendulum swing the other way. Which, you know, and fair enough, there's control on that side of it. And so it's just swung really hard on that other side. So hopefully we can kind of meet somewhere in the middle and have some sanity in this process. And so I've been at it for a few months. And there's a real, like, emotional and mental toll through this. Like, to go through these things and have, like, oh, my gosh, I have friends here. And, oh, man, we're talking. And I'm meeting all these people. And it's going awesome can't wait to work together. You're my number one choice. This is pretty much a done deal. VPs They're are saying when deals. we work together. Exactly. I met a, a CTO for 30 minutes and in a 30 minute time frame where he controlled the conversation, I didn't give enough detail and context and a few things. So then was not a unanimous through eight people. Yes, lost that. That's a blow. That's a
0: serious blow. There's a lot of weird stuff with, like, all the layers of interviewing. I just think all of it is, like, most of it is wrong. So I I work for Amazon now, some background. We're interviewing for a, like, backfill role, and they were like, oh, this person, like, didn't do things, like, in Ember. Like, we use Ember, and, like, they wanted it all to be tech stack specific or whatever. I thought he, like, blew away the requirements just using React. Me and this other guy were talking about how good he was and whatever, and somebody else was like, oh, well, he didn't, like, answer this one question the way i liked and like that kind of shuts the whole thing down and it's just like i don't understand like there needs to be a better system where like if one person has a bad experience interviewing you that it doesn't shut the whole thing down there's like a way to come back from that and say like oh i had a bad day that day like here's some reasons why you should still hire me
1: you know uh, golly there's so much i I love talking about this shit can we curse is that fine Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely hell yeah um (laughs) So, uh, no, I mean, so I just got the phone with Carrot. So Carrot, what they're doing, they're at Render. They had some sick headshots. I don't know if you've seen the headshots coming out of Carrot's booth, but it's so good. I'm so jealous that I didn't take advantage of that. But I just got the phone with them. They're actually helping increase diversity in the interviewing process and actually handling first rounds for, like, some big companies. They're trying to standardize, like, what we're talking about. They have the option to do a do-over. They have talked with their companies that they have agreed with and like, listen, we want to give. And what they've noticed is that black engineers are two times more likely to use the redo than white engineers. And I think that's a fascinating, that's a fascinating observation. I think it's incredibly important to have something like that built in place. Right? Listen, you're, you're not going to get you on a good day. Listen, I, I've been interviewing now for two weeks. Shit's exhausting. And I have talked with people for a living for 12 years. The energy that you have, it's, it's like podcasting all day. Because let's face it, like, you got to bring another sense of like, I can't zone out with you guys right now because I'm be like, whoa, what'd you say? It's going to be a disaster. And you got to bring a certain amount of energy through the microphone for people to keep listening to you. You can't just sit here and cakewalk through it. And so it's like that with interviews. And sometimes you're just not going to hit it. You're just not. And it's like, as a hiring manager, you could be missing out. I'll never forget this story. It's Becca, who is actually at Open Source Labs now with Brian as like their community head advocate. And she was telling me like a year or two ago, she was looking for jobs and there was a travel requirement for a job. It said uh, four times a year. Well, she has three kids. And so she didn't submit a resume. And it's like, did that job actually need to travel four times a year, or is it really one time a year? But they said four times because they just wanted to overcompensate just to make sure. But then you missed out on an amazing person like Becca, right? And so it's like, those are things companies have to keep in mind. And like with your interview, who, who cares he missed one, one question? Like, really? Like, we're yes, gonna reject seven other people one were question? like,
2: yes let's work it together just, we can't it, wait
1: something's got to be changed and that's why kelly and i are so passionate about it and that's we've actually submitted our talk to a few conferences in the southeast together because i've been recruited for 12 years she's a director of engineering and, and, and we see it on both ends and we text all the time about what we're seeing and then it's really got to be fixed and i think it's going to take people like us on this pot it's going to take podcasts to change it unfortunately because there's no other medium to get through to hiring managers than podcast and content yeah
2: just a strong public voice i think that's what i still like about twitter people complain all the time, but is that you can be kind of transparent and real and we're developing an audience, you know, you have 14 podcasts, we have this one. and <laughs> uh, But yeah, no, I just think like being transparent and being open about your experiences without fear of, of retribution in some way, I guess. I mean, I feel like if somebody listens to my podcast and decides they wouldn't want to work with me, there's nothing more genuine than these discussions that I'm having. Yep. You know, that we're I, having. You
1: know. you know, I there's there's another podcast. His name's Tim Ross. He was talking about vulnerability. And he was talking about, you know what? I will accept anybody if they are vulnerable to me, even if they tell me they do not like me. Because you know why? He goes, I am meeting that person where they're at. And if they feel comfortable enough telling me that, that's okay. And I can live with that. But it's the inauthenticity that I can't stand for. And and it's the same thing with what you just said. If an employer doesn't want to work with me because of my floral shirts or my cursing, then I'm okay with that. And and I really am because I want to be in a place that I feel accepted. And I think that's what companies need to be mindful of when it comes to interviewing is that making people feel accepted. Because I tell people, I think majority of the interview is backwards, right? Robbie, kind of going back to you, like I think 60%, 70% of the interview needs to be the company selling the opportunity to the candidate. Right now it's 70% of the candidate selling themselves to the company when in actuality the company has the, the responsibility to make sure that that individual feels comfort people are like the family and i understand that analogy people don't like that but essentially you are coming into an environment that is a family-esque type of environment so you need to feel somewhat comfortable
2: Yeah. In Robbie's case, we're talking about one of the traditional Fang companies and it's Meng or whatever the hell it is now. They've always been known as being like the challenge to get in the door because you're going to get a bunch of options and get rich, blah, 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 blah. Right. So they can set up their gatekeepers however they want. At least that's always been kind of the thought process. True or not, whatever. But the fact that that is like spread out and become part of like, I mean, I've been, I've interviewed with startups. that have a similar loop process and... The fact that it's extended out and everybody's gatekeeping at this point, but the, you're not getting the same monetary benefits. Let's just be honest. So, you know, that's part of the game. It's not the only reason why I work, but I have a family to feed. I'm the sole provider. I'm like, money matters to a degree. It's That's just the truth. And to like push those kinds of gates all over the place, I think is is where some of the fallacy lies.
1: Well, and, and and I talk about ego. I think there's a lot of ego wrapped mm. up in hiring, right? Yeah. So again, I was texting, you know, I was texting with somebody and their spouse is interviewing and they were like there's another round. There's another round. And it's like that round is there because that VP wants to have a say. There's all these people within organizations that want to have a say. I want to to pump my chest and, and make sure that I feel validated and heard. And the problem is, is that those egos are slowing down your interview process. In when actuality, let's be honest, dude, you probably don't need to have that conversation because you're not even going to manage that person. You're not even going to see that person. So why the fuck are you even interviewing them? Right? I think, again, there's so much ego wrapped up in hiring that the companies who can set their ego aside, actually be intentional with the people who are interviewing the candidates that are actually going to be involved from day to day and just back back out. Like for me, like when the way I hire, I'll talk to you for 20 minutes. I would have three people that would interview you based off the core competencies that we would look for, right? One was culture, one was tech, tech ability within the recruiting space, and one was just overall processes and procedures. And it was like bang, 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 bang. We offered. It's not hard. It's not I, hard. Yeah,
2: I agree. You have a need, they have a need. Is this a good fit? Is it seem like mutual success exists here? Great. You know, what, and then what somebody on my
1: team says, like, I, like I'll like i never forget, there's one guy we interviewed. And I was like, we need to hire this guy. Like, this guy's great. And literally my team goes, no, he won't work. And I was like, are you serious? And instead of, like, beating my chest and getting what I want, I said, you know what, you're right. Let's move on. And it was hard. It was so hard. Because I was yeah. so ready. For, yeah, I was thinking, like, dollar signs, this guy is going to take us to the moon. <laughs> And then my team was like, no. And I was like, you know what? I, I got to respect that. Like, I'm going to put my ego aside. I'm going to respect my team and make sure we keep the team intact and move on. Yeah.
0: You were mentioning VPs want to have say and everything and stuff. And I think that is just showing that they don't trust their directors and whoever they have hired. Like, it's it. it's if trust. you really trust them, you shouldn't care. Be like, hire whoever's good for your team. See you later. It's I don't trust. get it.
1: It boils down to trust and ego. Lack of ego and trust.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Ego.
1: Ego is is the what is that?
2: There's a book like Ego is the Enemy or something. I don't read. So Uh, I don't either. Maybe an audio book or something. Uh, Yeah. It's uh, the stoicism guy who has books. Anyway. Ego is the smart. enemy. I think is what it's called. Mm. We, it's available in audiobook, guys. Come on, I know you'll listen. You got Can you read it for me, like, have, out loud? I have.
1: I have. I, here's the deal. I have like two podcasts on rotation. Yeah. And my wife always sends me like podcasts I should listen to, and I never oh, do. She's like, "Why don't you yeah, listen to no. my podcasts?" It's like, I got the same two podcasts on rotation, and if, and if I don't got enough time, I'm not gonna work in oh, another one. So I'm, yeah, okay.
2: I'm curious as to what they are. What are the two?
1: Yeah, so I do got to give a plug. I'm actually in. I bought an NFT.
0: Mm. Ooh, rug pull.
1: not it wasn't really an nft it was like a it was like a it's an nft but it's not like you could buy with your credit card but um essentially their name is um group chat they're fantastic they are three guys out in la their network is vast come from a financial background economics background but they're just dudes like us and they talk politics and culture and so i'd highly check them out group chat the other one i listened to off the top of my head is hold on real quick
2: Whiskey web and whatnot. What?
1: <laughs> yeah, is 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 actually so another one too. Long winded by nature. Mm-hmm. It's Tim Chusano. He's an executive at a modern day agency up in New York, and he has over a million followers on TikTok. And he he became famous because of his vlogs. And he has a po- he has a business podcast where he actually just talks to you, like he talks about new hires and how to be successful in the workplace. And it's like soap. I'm I'm all about tactical, practical mm-hmm. information. That's why my podcast, Guidance Counselor 2.0, is based around specific things a person can take in the job search or hiring because i think there's a lot of fluff out there in today's podcast world and so i like tim chisano's podcast as well yeah see by nature this
2: is where we've traded places because i might read books but my podcasts are really like guilty pleasures kind of thing like i've been rolling through Smartless for the last couple of months it's funny it's off the cuff there's some famous people funny stories you know the hollywood entrenched yeah i don't know i'm just i just find it super interesting and then the hosts are all pretty funny so
0: i don't you know here we go we've switched your are you saying knowledge and in... that chris coyer is not famous or funny <laughs> you can't uh, listen to shop talk and he... get both funny and uh
1: watch out he may listen to this one
0: i mean i think he's famous in certain
2: circles obviously he got in the state of js he's been around forever you know everybody's been on CSS tricks a hundred different times to help them solve centering a div and you know, things like that. And nice guy, very funny in person. So I just, I think like when I put on a podcast, I'm kind of just disconnecting. So I don't want to be like, Oh, I'm back in tech now mm. because it's usually, I don't know, driving somewhere or something of that nature. So I will tailor the, the, the hack for your wife getting you to listen to all the podcasts that she wants is just go on a road trip with her. And then she go. takes over, obviously, she does. radio she does. controls. She does. And then, oh, kids are in the back watching a movie on iPad, plugs in crime junkies or yeah. something else where, which, by the way, I will never betray my wife because she knows how to get away with murder. She's listened <laughs> to too many things where people disappear or get murdered and whatever else. So I'm like, okay, healthy fear here. But yeah, a that's... that's <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Now we should get really to an important question, okay? Speaking of hot takes and things on Twitter or whatever else, HOAs,
1: yay or nay? That was crazy. Vic tweeted that, and then Wheeler got involved, and, like, it, that, that shit was wild.
2: I what, what was that about? I don't even know. It's just these tangents yeah, just magically appear. Give me some appear. backstory here. What happened?
1: Vic, he's a, what, senior developer at Twilio, I think. He's in Raleigh. He tweeted something, complained about his HOA, which I had an HOA when I lived on the other side of Nashville, when I was single, and that that was crazy. It was basically like somebody was watching you at all times. It was the weirdest thing. I was dating my now wife at the time, and she would come over and like go on walks while I was working. And like, they would stop her and be like, Hey, like, just a heads up. Do you know somebody here? Why are you walking? (laughs) Be careful. There's and she was stopped on multiple occasions, to the point where she stopped walking. And again, I just caught snippets of it on the internet. But it is a thing, and, and my experience with HOA has not been positive.
2: Yeah, I think it ends up being a bunch of boomers yelling about like the shade of tan or how many weeds in your in your your yard or it's something of that nature. It's just people getting
1: bored. It's old people getting bored who don't have hobbies. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it
2: is. Yeah, I don't want to overly generalize, but it does kind of feel old like old people that. get hobbies.
1: Go, yeah, just get
2: other hobbies. Listen like, to crime podcasts
1: instead. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah there, there you, you go. 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 Or on this a podcast. podcast and don't yeah
0: yeah this, or this, this podcast. One. <laughs> Go on a walk and don't bother yeah. the other walkers. How about seriously,
1: that? Seriously,
0: seriously. Yeah, the uh, house we're moving into has a lot of weird stuff in their HOA docs. Like, I think it's really? all innocent enough, but it's stuff like you can't keep your garage door open. Like, it must be closed. There can be no trash on the premises. And, like, you can't park a car outside. Like, your that car has to be in the, the garage. Worst situation. Yeah. It's, it's weird stuff that I'm like, do you really care? Like, is someone going to walk by and be like, hey, I see your car's outside? like <laughs> yeah i mean yeah
1: my, my condo complex they did
0: okay it's they a did. reason why some normal size houses
2: here in arizona have three and four car garages everybody drives everywhere it's kind of like la like culture yeah, there's two hot everybody drives everybody has a second car or like third fourth car because if you have teenagers then they need their own car and some of these hoas force you to be parked inside so you can't just have a car sitting in your own damn driveway mm-hmm. and you pay for this privilege. So. And I've seen the extreme cases of why HOAs exist because somebody paints their house purple or something and drags someone else's property property value value, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And the houses in some of these subdivisions are close. And so then it's like, oh, I got to stare at this thing all the time. I don't know. I, I guess I get the extreme cases, but it feels like it's an overkill correction.
1: 100%. 100%. Yeah, I I know much more about hiring than I do HOAs. So yeah,
2: same same. I never I've purposely because I've heard always nightmare stories. I've always avoided that.
0: So I'm like, oh yeah. HOA, I'm out. Not buying, not renting there. Don't want anything yeah. to do with it. Something that uh, HOAs would not approve of. Tell us about uh, all the horses on your property. Are all those yours or? Uh... <laughs>
1: yeah um yeah pretty fortunate we lived in the quote-unquote hip side of town in east nashville for a long time my wife saw it she she bought a house for around two hundred thousand dollars back in 2000 i think 11 or 12 and uh, we sold it for 760 she grew up riding horses and we always wanted to get some land and so we um we found a place 25 minutes north of downtown like literally after this pod i'm going downtown to hang out with my buddy and in east nashville in 25 minutes and so we have 15 acres up here, and we have four horses, and she's got another six or seven back at her parents' house up in Kentucky. Um, what? And-
2: Ooh, go- finish.
1: No, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, your face was was pretty <laughs> pretty incredible. You are you were shocked about something that just happened.
2: Yeah. Well, there's just so many overlaps here. Like you were saying, you spent a lot of time in Roanoke, where mm-hmm. and on whatever magic lake that Robbie's living at Smith right now. Mountain. Dude, Smith Mountain. Smith Mountain. It's right yeah, so, now, yeah. yeah. Now that you said it, I might go there. I don't trust Robbie that much, but um hey, you're invited. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, could could happen. TBD. <laughs> so I grew up in Kentucky, Northern Kentucky, oh, right okay. on the Ohio River, across yeah, from Cincinnati.
0: Covington.
2: Yeah, I was born in Covington. Yep, so That's you know awesome. what Covington so I, is.
1: Yeah, so so I did some consulting work for a Cincinnati office on content creation for about six to nine months, and we ate dinner in Covington and, and hung out there. So. That was great, and, and my my guy who helps head up my content, he's based out of Lexington, but one of hmm. my videographers out of Covington. So,
2: that is so funny. So, where in Kentucky is she from? Bowling
1: Green. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically Tennessee. I mean, it's yeah. like right across the state line, but right. Yeah, her, she her, her parents. We were looking for a farm like her parents. Her parents has twenty acres of like rolling hills, and it's just beautiful. And we we got it pretty close. We got it pretty close. We don't have quite the hills, but uh, our house does sit on a little slight slope and. I'll tell you this. If we're ever invaded by zombies or aliens, I think we'll be good because we have a 360 view of the entire property. Nice. nice. You've got
0: a good complex. Yeah, mm-hmm. a complex is- Do you a have simple, to uh, bush hog all your fields or do you hire someone to do it?
1: No, uh, so my wife, so uh, we have reverse gender roles in this household. So I do all the laundry and cleaning <laughs> and she does all the handiwork. Um, and I'm totally comfortable with that. We bought a, uh, a rugged grasshopper and she she was mowing the lawn yesterday. So speeding around this thing on a 360 turn type lawnmower mm, so nice it's like nice. watching her drive a nascar
2: <laughs> yeah the yin yang kind of balance that's nice i mean as long as somebody's yeah. doing it right yeah
1: yeah I, I i wear floral shirts and don't get my hands dirty all and right. just talk on podcast all day
0: that's all right nothing wrong with yeah. that if it's working make it go with it we just sold our house like a month ago now i guess we had 10 acres and i was bush hogging that all the time i don't want that anymore <laughs> i was gonna yeah. say it
2: turns out for robbie farm is not not the answer but you no. tried you gave it a real swing yeah uh, it's so
1: think... peaceful there's so much people in tech that have left tech to do farm stuff i mean mm-hmm. especially during COVID, especially on twitter i saw a lot of people are like i'm out i'm gonna go to a ranch i know there's one guy on twitter like just left tech all together just was just to try to get out and i think there's I think there's a lot there, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of brain fatigue. And, and I think there's just a lot of fatigue in general, especially because of COVID. One thing I realized is we're all overworked. We just are like we took on a lot. And a lot of us have, haven't been able to kind of release that workload. And so I think there's a lot of similarities with tech folks of getting out and doing stuff. I think I saw on Twitter a while back, like some guy from a, he was like a tenured Microsoft guy finally left just started gardening. There's just a lot there because I think just our brains are fried. And I think We need space. And I'm really big on that creative. Like during this transition for me about, you know, leaving my job, I'm watching like a lot of YouTube to get inspired, right? To create and to create content because that's what I do kind of full time. And that's what I'm looking to do in the next company is kind of be there, basically create meaningful content for that company. And trying to give yourself space is something that's very difficult. I think people struggle with tremendously. You know, I've talked with a lot of senior leaders in tech about riding in breaks and sprint planning for their engineers, because at the end of the day, like, you know, let's face it, a lot of engineering problems are solved when you're walking, not when you're in front of the computer screen.
2: Right. That's the problem with hourly billing. If we talk about an agency yeah. who has to bill hourly when the brain trust is, and or when people micromanage, are you in front of your computer, or are you hands on yeah. keyboard and stuff? What did you do like, for the last 47 seconds? Right, exactly. Like those <laughs> went to the of,
1: bathroom, relax. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: I'll do it in in your chair next time come into office (laughs) Uh,
1: today's actually been one of those days i finally am getting water in my system right now with the whiskey so like (laughs) it's been one of those days where i haven't been able to get out to even get water yet
2: yeah so what today's vlog is going to be real boring is what you're saying my wife's so funny
1: place. the only thing my wife watches on my social because she's like you just post a lot and i go i understand like it's not meant to be consumed every single time but she does watch my vlogs every day and she was like i was like i was like hey like i'm trying a different style like i'm trying to do more more cuts make it more engaging and she goes I'm gonna be honest with you, it kind of looks a little boring you're kind of just at your desk the whole time and i'm like <laughs> yeah yeah i understand that i understand that but i'm talking about everything else she goes yeah it looks good i said okay cool
2: okay so, right, great <laughs> yeah you're like this isn't going to be like movie of the week but yeah
1: but it's storytelling, right? And, and, and it makes you a better storyteller. And it makes because again, like for me, you know, I, I've talked a lot about this with my content guy. You know, I'm like, should I go buy DSLR and like try to start creating content out of a camera? And he was like, why? He was like, literally, people don't care. As yeah. long as it looks good and the audio is decent and it's yeah. filmed relatively well, people will consume whatever you put out.
2: You know and who so, does care? The um, other people doing it also. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, nice setup. I like this in the background. But most of your audience probably doesn't care.
1: No, yeah. and and I mean, I can't tell you how many relationships I've made with a bunch of tech guys and gals who have farms and have messaged me out of nowhere. And there's like a bunch of recruiters out there. There's a recruiter at Tesla. He messaged me the other day. He goes, dude, you have a corgi? I was like, yeah. He goes, dude. I have one too and proceed to send each other pictures of corgis we've never met in person before. And so it's like just the power of, uh, and that's what I'm really passionate about, right? The power of content, how it endears you to your community, but then also from a company perspective, how do you seem more approachable in the marketplace, in your marketplace? And the way to do that is through content, whether it's vlogs or whether it's other types of content around what y'all do or testimonials or case studies or stuff like that. So that's something I'm really passionate about.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Although I think like counterpoint to that is we were talking earlier about the whole rushing out to farms after ten years of just the grind and whatever else. I wonder if like the pace of just tech work in general has really started
1: to burn people out, right? It's it's an interesting you know kind of point where I'm at, right? Because I do content for business development, right? So there's a sales aspect to what I do. Surprise! If I don't post for today, I could not reach that one person to get. That one lead to get that one job, right, so it's like it's all so it's like this this constant hamster wheel, and so I'm definitely having to try to figure out balance for me and what that looks like, and one of the things I do, so there's a lot of creators that that vlog seven days a week. I don't vlog seven days a week, I do five days a week, Monday through Friday, and then I do a whole weekend vlog on that next Monday to give myself two or three day break.
0: yeah, I think
2: that would yeah. be highly necessary, just us discussing it makes me a little tired.
1: Yeah.
0: I think a lot of people too, just like need to understand that there's not necessarily urgency. I find myself wanting to work a lot and being like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. But like, what if I don't, that's fine too. Like no one's going to be like, Oh my God, you didn't do like this work because everyone tends to move slower than I do. And I'm like my worst critic of like, I need to do more and people just need to chill.
2: Maybe you should redefine what more means to, you know, like is more to more pull requests or is more reading a book that might help enhance some other aspect of, of you that you want to develop or, you know, just recharge and for a walk.
1: People have to find their escapism, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, I think, I think for me, like, you know, my parents were big on reading. Like I got burned out of reading because of growing up and like grade school and just Mm. the amount of massive books and novels that they pushed on us. I was just done with reading done. Just like, you know what? Like I'm I'm tired of reading. And that's still as it's still today. I don't like reading. And so for me though, mine's like podcasting or playing ice hockey or, you know, going, believe it or not, I'm actually enjoying like being outside at night, feeding the horses. I go up by myself. It's like therapy just to have quiet. But you got to find what works for you. And I think too many people are trying to do what the other person said to do. And it's like, listen, like if, if you don't like it, that's okay. Just do what you enjoy. And yeah, you an,
2: are you an introverted extrovert then? Do you go outside because you need away time to recharge?
1: I'm an introverted extrovert, yes. I'm an yeah. extremely introverted. I have over-leveraged myself. I am running on fucking fumes right now mm-hmm. from today just to yeah, be totally you're out anymore. there boom so,
2: boom 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 boom, and then you're, yeah i mean
1: that's just the way i am and and and, and, and i mean this is a whole another conversation i mean we took a toll in marriage early on and and in my marriage nine years of my career i worked in the office and i and i hit and this is obviously we may be wrapping up here very soon but this may be a little bit of a bomb drop but like i hit depression in 2018 pretty hard and like my counselor was like hey you need to like seek out your it was we were in marriage counseling and my marriage I was like listen you got to find somebody like you're at a point where you I would consider this depression and and for me is what I realized is that I was so constantly stimulated at work right because I was like meeting people day in day out I wasn't yeah. I wasn't vlogging I wasn't content creating and I was just meeting so many people and I was around people in the office it was just stimulation and
2: you're on and you're on and yeah it's just right it's just you to be on
1: yeah just On consistently and so what I've realized now is that working from home has helped me so much because I can kind of have my own space and moderate the people coming at me at one time which has been huge.
2: Well I'm glad you dropped that truth bomb and I I agree that that could be a whole another episode for us to discuss because I think that's a reality too like hiring is one thing and plays into all these other aspects but like yeah mental well-being in tech whether you have a job or not I think that's its own thing as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, I've talked about that a lot with the job search. Is You got to find, I mean, I'm in it right now. You got to find balance, right? You can't crank out your job search eight hours a day. You just can't. And I think it spurts and you got to give yourself breaks and, and you just got to really be aware of how you're feeling. And I think people just try to barrel through it and they just become miserable.
2: Yeah. By your 30th rejection, which through the, the, the resume process, it's not as as big of a deal once you get like you know past a hiring manager, you start to become more emotionally involved, but still you know yeah. you get a few bad hits and then you have know, four rejection emails one morning and you're like, What is the point today?
0: Yeah, so we do have like less than ten minutes left here i want to circle back to some of the Roanoke and Smith Mountain Lake talk and find out more about uh, your life there or how much time you spent there.
1: So my mom and dad both met in Roanoke. Both my parents were military brats. My mom's side, her father was Air Force. My dad's side was Navy. My dad's side retired in Roanoke, and they sold real estate at Smith Mountain Lake. Now, honestly, if you talk to some old heads out there, they probably remember Dodie and Maurice Dessen out there because they kind of owned that area. And then my mom settled down in Roanoke. I think her dad, my grandfather got like an like a Amway sales job and so that's where they kind of settled down. And so my dad went to Cave Springs High School, my mom went to Patrick Henry High School. My dad was a lifeguard, that's how they met. So we grew up going up there a lot. My grandmother um, lives on Stratford Park Drive um, which is um, Don't Give the number, don't give the number. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. is, is by the Roanoke Wiener stand on, oh, yeah. um, it's it's it's, uh, it's Famous yeah, Chuck. It's, don't it's, I'm a child, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> say why i'm a child i'm sorry <laughs> yeah, it's all right so there's that and then my dad's family moved out smith mountain lake grew up every summer going up there it was a big house big family we used to all kind of go there that we would be there for like a week or two at a time when i was younger. You know, just it was just such a special time and and what's crazy is like you don't meet many people from roanoke or, or even like not from roanoke just even lived in roanoke it's a very small town it's very historical and, and i get really excited i don't know it's you know, I grew up trout fishing in the Roanoke Valley with, with my grandfather. I hated fishing, but it's I hate it so much. It's like a good memory now because it's like seared into my mind because I hated it so much when I was younger that now it's like, oh, like I can remember it so well. And then my dad grew up sailing on Smith Mountain Lake. Man, it's just it's just beautiful. I love it up there. I, I like legit, if I had enough money, I would literally just buy a house in Roanoke and just like live there like six months out of the year. So I love well, it.
0: And, um, we have enough houses so here that, that you can that use them if you want. <laughs> <laughs> say what I, we have enough houses here that you can use them one of them if you want my parents have a roanoke house right. and a smith mountain lake house so uh we're not using oh, both really? at the same time yeah um that's yeah, so, crazy
1: well then i'll just hit you up next time i just want to come, come out to roanoke smith, i'll like which one is your parents not at i'll just come crash yeah right just, i'm thinking go. yeah. i'm gonna
2: sell my phoenix house and then just just basically be just crash back and forth and yeah, never it's, pay it's a mortgage almost it's, again. it
1: would be almost like an adoption situation we gotta yeah. like go to the opposite house you're just kind of like in transit yeah,
2: yeah. yeah like awesome. you know, I just take care of the other house while they're not there. Yeah, that's you're the caretaker. Thing. Yeah, no, but that's
1: that's so crazy. So, so for those of you who are still listening, you know, <laughs> an hour through, thank you, Robbie and I. We were we weren't live yet, and and I was like, you know, getting to know them and. And I was like, man, like, you know, where are you at? And he was like, well, Virginia. And every time I hear Virginia, I'm like, well, Roanoke, right? Because Roanoke's (laughs) like not close to like D.C. But I'm always like, Roanoke. And he's like, and then he's like, well, tell me more. And then then we end up finding out that uh, Robbie lives on Smith Mountain Lake right now, Mm -hmm. where my grandparents lived, which is, that's crazy, because I've never met anybody who knows about Smith Mountain Lake. So (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I I never left like, I don't know know how many miles it is, like a 60 mile radius or whatever, because I... Grew up in Roanoke, and then went to college at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. And oh, then... you went. To, oh, you
1: went to Virginia Tech. Dude, that's mm-hmm. a beautiful area too, man. Yeah. That's a beautiful area. Yeah. And then, and then South then, like, Carolina's got Shane Beamer. Frank I know. Beamer's son.
0: I know. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched a lot of like they did a like ESPN special about uh like South Carolina, I think, and like Frank Beamer was at one of the games and it was like a good special yeah. teams game or something, and there's like, that's the one you like dad. Like, you know. Yeah, our our <laughs> yeah. our
1: special teams at the University of South Carolina is like literally one of the top. It's yeah, because it's beamer ball, right? Yep. And that's just what yep. they lived on and it makes a huge difference. Roanoke's just great. And and people are like, The hell I gotta go to Roanoke. This is like this this ad <laughs> spot this, this podcast yeah. is sponsored by Roanoke.
2: Yeah. <laughs> sponsored by the city of Roanoke. Yeah. Uh, do you like I
1: train you tracks sailing
2: come to roanoke no <laughs> you
1: know like train tracks in a time capsule of a city it's it, like when i say time capsule it's like like the 70s and 80s like there's some new development for sure but like for the most part it's like like when my parents go up there like if things are still the same from like oh, the yeah. 70s it's crazy
0: yep interesting exact
2: same yep. i like train tracks i used to hop trains to school i was a bad kid <laughs> uh cute.
1: also another thing too they have more fairs like art fairs and craft fairs than any small town that and that may be my grandma finding all of them, but literally, <laughs> like, there is always something going on in Roanoke for a town that size. It's crazy.
2: What What else is grandma going to do? She's going to the fair. I don't yeah, know.
1: I'll tell you what. My, my grandma, she's, like, 85 years old, and she's still active, like, wearing, like, walking with weights. It's because nice. she's German.
2: <laughs> oh, she's German. yes, yes.
1: Well, she, I'm she German and story. Irish. She so. escaped Hitler, or her grandmother escaped Hitler. And, well, she did, and she was bombed. But she has a piece of Berlin Wall in her apartment. It's crazy. Wow. wow. Yeah. That is nuts. cool so She's stuff. like off the boat. Like off the boat and she learned English by nannying and watching cartoons with kids. Crazy. Mm.
2: That's that's awesome though.
1: Yeah. That's a fun yeah. story. See, we can she just... makes a mean goulash too. Oh, I right. bet. Oh, I love little... goulash. I yeah do too. It's same. It's so good.
2: Yeah. Before I let you go, before we go down that path. Speaking of Wieners, I, I have so many questions, but I, I, I always, if anyone's been to the Cincinnati area, speaking of Wieners, Gold Star or Skyline?
1: I'm going to be honest. It's all trash.
2: Oh. <laughs> That's the right answer. And we will be honest,
1: I haven't had. I, what was the other one? Gold Star? Gold yeah. Star. Yeah. Chili. I've only I've had Skyline. I have not had that. Yeah, I've yeah, not had people. it, but if it's anything like. So my wife and I, we. Cincinnati
2: Chili is its own thing.
1: It yeah. it really is. It, it's a very odd thing. The amount of shredded cheese they give you is borderline insanity. It's, it's a so heart much attack. Shredded yeah. cheese it's, that covers the flavor of the chili. Yeah, but, but, it,
2: it becomes a cocoon it, into it, the bun. Yeah,
1: it's just a cocoon of carbs and fat. Um, yes. the, the the thing that really ma- I, I will tell you this. I started eating chili up there with just the cheese. I added the oyster crackers. Yes. That changed the dynamic. It does. So mm-hmm. I do have to say, it's not total utter Salty trash. Salty component. But I do have to say, if you're gonna, if you're, if you're doing skyline, you got to put the oyster crackers in it.
2: And like, the yeah, hot sauce good. too, a little bit even. it's, See, just, it's like Frank's,
1: Frank's. I think hot sauce. So basically, Frank's, what you're like saying, Frank's is hot like hot skyline sauce. alone is trash. You got to have all the couthromal. Well, with
2: skyline it. is <laughs> trash <laughs> because I'm a gold star boy. But that's a whole other. Again, I got to try gold star. We can talk about our families. Yes, it is less less watery. It's more like saucy. And then doesn't quite. It's a little less spice. So it's. I feel like it's more balanced. Mm. I don't
0: think there was any spice in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't mean hot uh, spice, mean, right? You mean like. Yeah, just, mean just flavor like spice. Tangy, like, yeah, yeah, it was a little. It, it, they tend to
2: like make it too watery and then try to punch the spice. And I want a sauce. I want a chili sauce. Is essentially mm. that, makes is. that makes sense. That makes sense.
1: But yeah. Uh, yeah, I was not impressed. We got it late. We we were at Vaco Cincinnati's Christmas party, and then we went there a little. A little inebriated and <laughs> had it back at our hotel, and I was like,
2: "Eh, you went. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least you know what. Better that than White Castle. I'm just saying.
1: I had White Castle one time. I think my body almost literally blew up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm certain most of the what to do, and it just kind of like expanded and kept yeah. expanding. I thought yeah. it was this is like not digestible. Yeah,
2: I'm, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm certain most of my digestive issues are associated to the amount of white castles that I had at two in the morning post like Milwaukee's best or Miller high life or something. Mm. Couple forties. No, I didn't, I didn't try to do forties. Come on. Yeah, Keg boy. stands. I do have
1: to say Cincinnati shot Cincinnati. Some of the best coffee and baked goods. Like I'm a big coffee guy, great coffee shops up there. And then some of like, is it baked bear or no, that's that's buskin
2: is the big bakery.
1: The food's great. The culture. I mean, literally like, I'm going to tell you this, like I like Cincinnati better than Nashville, and I and, and of course like I may live there I and it like, sucks. I'll go to Nashville, but like my wife and I talked about, it. it's way more eclectic. It's way more cultural. Like Nashville is just honky tonks and white and like just subway tile cuisine, you know, American Southern cuisine. Like Cincinnati, you get some like you ger- heavy German and you got all the OTR or, or uh, was it on the Rhine over the Rhine over but, the
2: Rhine. I love, I love it though. I love the yeah, shout just, out OTR it's, is it's
1: like it's so good and just the area is great and the people are great. The tech community is great up there. Shout out Michael Richardson who runs Momentum Conference. I got to give him a plug here. It's the software developer conference in Cincinnati. I spoke last year. There was like five, it was like a perfect amount, 5 or 600 people. The sessions were packed. It was it was fantastic. So Robbie Michael and I, going. I would love to come back if you invite
0: yeah. me. So yeah, me too. Michael, I don't know, yeah, you go. but bring me. Yeah, bring us.
1: It's great. I would actually highly recommend it especially because it's it's close to home.
0: Cool. We are at time here. Are there things you want to plug before we end?
1: I have a podcast guidance counselor 2.0. Again, the whole point of that podcast is to really help engineering leaders and job seekers level up both hiring and the job search. You can find me on all social media at T S N T D E S S E Y N. I do the whole thing, the discords, the newsletters, texting communities, yada, yada. So just find me on social and then follow the links to the bottom of the funnel and join whatever you want to join.
0: Right. Thanks everyone for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe. Leave us some ratings and reviews. We appreciate it and we will catch you next time.